Therapy Chat Podcast, episode 177. This is the Therapy Chat Podcast with Laura Reagan, LCSWC. The information shared in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. And now, here's your host, Laura Reagan, LCSWC. Try Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code CHAT at therapynotes.com. Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today. Hi, welcome back to Therapy Chat. Today I am talking with as promised, Susan Roberts for our part two of the discussion of her work and her book, Sustainable Health, and how she uses Eastern practices combined with occupational therapy work. So I'm really excited to dive right in. And we have, we'll be starting off with a listener question for Susan. Therapy Chat Podcast wouldn't exist without the support of its listeners. If you'd like to become a member, please go to patreon.com slash therapy chat. By making a $1 per month donation, you can help Therapy Chat keep going over the long haul. Thank you for your support. Hi, welcome back to Therapy Chat. Today, I'm very happy to have a returning guest who you all heard from just a few weeks ago, and we had so much to talk about and not enough time. So I said that we were going to do part two. So back with me today is Susan L. Roberts. Susan, thanks so much for coming back to Therapy Chat today. Well, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to continuing our conversation. Yeah, you're welcome. I am too. Um, I think we talked just enough to wet everyone's whistle about what you're doing. And I know I was left wanting to know so much more. And I think that's probably how a lot of people felt. In fact, we had a listener question, um, which I will just kind of start right off with letting you know what she asked. And I think that's a good way to dive in. You ready? Okay. Yeah, I'm ready. All right. Here's the question. I'll put your thinking cap on, Susan. (laughs) Mm. I'm just kidding. You definitely know the answer to this. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. So our question comes from Lori, a listener. Thank you, Lori. She says, my question is to ask for more information about the specific elements mentioned in the podcast with Susan Roberts. This is a new area to me, so I'm not sure what each of those elements mean in general terms. She did talk briefly about metal and wood, but I would like to hear more. Great. Well, basically, you know, all of indigenous healers work with the natural elements and, 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 and observing nature. And because they all lived close to nature, and many, uh, certainly in traditional Chinese medicine, it's, uh, had you know, well-established farming, agricultural traditions. So they all often boil down to earth, air, fire, and water. And often there are other elements sort of in there in Ayurvedic tradition. They have three, but they combine them in different ways, uh, which Ayurvedic is is from India. And and China and India are the ones that have, you know, where they wrote things down several thousand years ago. So we have a lot more information and we're not relying on on anthropologists who may or may not be understanding the tradition that they're studying. Mm -hmm. Good point. So, yeah, so earth, air, fire, and water uh, are certainly used. And and if you sit and watch nature as people did, 
you know, without TV and stuff, you're watching, you know, what's going on around you. And so they observed, they observed nature and how nature interacted and how the seasons changed and how the skies changed and, you know, the angle of, of the sun, the, the, which stars moved around in the sky and all of that kind of thing. In traditional Chinese medicine, instead of air, they have wood and metal. And on the healing compass, which is based on the ancient traditions, metal is in the West and wood is in the East. So they, but they're on, you know, if you think of the circle with a cross in the middle, you know, wood and metal are opposite each other and, and fire and water are opposite each other. And so there's those, you know, they, they, because they're opposite each other, they also have certain characteristics in common. Well, fire and water are kind of direct polar opposites, but, but wood and metal, what they have in common with them is air because metal is actually the sky and the moon and the stars and uh, wood is where the wind in the trees. And so, for instance, in the, um, in the sustainable health, we start in the beginning by watching the wind blow, connecting to the conscious universe and connecting to it through our eyes, through movement. And the eyes are associated with the element of wood in traditional Chinese medicine. So the five elements in traditional Chinese medicine are earth, which is in the center of the compass, earth, wood, fire, metal, and water. And, and in all the traditions that I have come across, the elements are always organized around the magnetic compass points, but those, they don't, they're not always in the same position from tradition to tradition, but very often opposites and similarities are, are across from each other. So fire and water are often opposite each other and, but not always, sometimes in some traditions, it's, it's water and air that are opposite each other. And again, if you think about those as what's similar between them is the movement. And in that case, it would be fire and, um, and earth. For me, because I have my background is in Western science, Western medicine, I like to think of them as the four elements of science, which is energy, matter, space, and time. And so energy is fire. And it's the you know, with quantum physics now, you know, and, and physicists have, you know, kind of taken apart matter and taken apart matter and taken apart matter until we've, what we're left with is particles. And then now we know that the particles are not really matter either. They're energy waves. So it's all energy, basically. And that's Einstein's, you know, E equals MC square. Energy equals matter. Uh, when it travels at the speed of light squared, which is as a constant in the universe. So, whoa, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) so it it gets, it gets, yeah, it gets pretty complicated. I have that in the book actually, and, and go into that in, in a little bit of detail, but for me, so energy is, is fire, matter is earth. And then we have space, um, which I think of as water because, Space is the only thing that connects, you know, if you have energy matter, energy matter, like the difference between air and solids and and liquids is the, is the bonds, the energy bonds between them. And the only thing that connects us to the farthest stars in the universe is space. So I, I think of water as space. And in that energy matter space, we have the metal, we have all the elements uh, which originally came from the Big Bang. All all the elements, uh, almost all the elements in the periodic table are some derivation of of the you know the Big Bang and all of the elements. And then we have growth, which is wood, life. And uh, hmm. so for me, I see it. I see it you know concurrent with evolution. But that is you know that's the piece I bring to it. My Western science piece and you said it's congruent with evolution right right yeah i see it that way you know so you have the energy of the big bang you have the you know metal you know so the the energy produces the big bang which produces the metal elements and then the water you know what as soon as water forms then we start having a water dissolving the elements 
And then, you know, eventually we get life, wood, and out of that, then we get decay. And there we have the earth and more life and, you know, land. And it all sort of comes together in my mind anyway. Wow. In, in that way. And so I, that's how I connect with those elements in my, in my mind. So this is fascinating. I mean, I don't know about the people who will be listening to this, but for me, I was like, I was following it, but I was like, whoa, this is so deep. And so I appreciate you explaining that. But I know in your book, Sustainable Health, you talk about like you have this, I'm not looking at the book, but I remember there's like a graphic of these circles that have, you know, that kind of go around. <laughs> it's like <Right>. a diagram. <laughs> it's hard right. to explain something like that. I'm sorry for the listeners, but will you talk about how that relates to what you were just explaining? Right. Well, in the, in the, in traditional Chinese medicine and all the indigenous traditions, they tend to think more in terms of essence and that, you know, the sort of spirituality, the essence, the energy of, of each of the elements. So it's, it's, so it looks, you know, graphically kind of looks like a toolbox. And sometimes I, when I teach about it and I talk about what goes in each of the, the boxes or the circles in our toolbox, but it's really more like a radio dial so that you need to tune in to what that essence is. And so each one of those circles has its own kind of essence. So I talk about energy, matter, space, and time. And time is metal time, which is the big bang. And time is relative, as I say, you know, we have metal time, and then we have evolutionary time, biological time, that's wood. And they're different, very different timelines, but but they're both time. But then you can also do, take a look at that. So in the center where earth would be, we have the body. And then we have the body, we have the mind. So we have on the, on the metal side, we have the logical mind. And on the biologic side, we have the intuitive mind. And then we have um, the spirit, uh, which is the energy. And I often think also of water as a soul. So if I'm going to, you know, go in, if somebody is is struggling with, um, you know, each one of those has resonances, each one. So, for instance, if we look at emotions, the emotion of, of earth and the body is anxiety. The energy of the, of the mind is grief and also anger. Those are the two uh, metal and wood emotions. And then we have, we have fear and water and joy uh, as fire. So if I've got somebody who's struggling with a lot of fear, they may also have joint pain because that also resonates kind of at that frequency, at the frequency of that water energy. And then, and I can begin to think about like, you know, what kinds of, what kinds of things are going to uh, work best for that person. Obviously, you know, the, the modalities of heat, which we almost always apply to pain, tends to work uh, very well. Sometimes it is ice in, in many, you know, sometimes especially with an acute pain injury. But heat is, is better, and it's that opposite, that using of the opposites. But I also might, if somebody's struggling with joint pain, may take a look at what kinds of things are they afraid of. You know, maybe we'll chat about that, even though as an, as a, if I'm working in a physical, with somebody who has a physical disability or physical dysfunction, they are not necessarily coming to an occupational therapist to deal with their emotional issues. But still, I can have a chat with them about fear and talk about that and begin to delve into that in a way while I'm working with them on on other kinds, you know, while we're putting the hot packs on or maybe, you know, teaching some stretching exercises and those kinds of things to get that that kind of um, movement. But I want to do a lot of comfort with any kind of pain. And that's using that fire energy, using the nurturing earth energy. And uh, I may, you know, bring in some movement, which I consider wood energy, or I may also bring in some um, structure, you know, with a metal energy. So maybe we'll say, you know, I want you to do your exercises at this time of day. So I'm bringing movement and uh, movement and structure in at the same time. So each of those elements has 
a kind of a resonance. And it's it's almost like, well, I like to cook. And of course, I have the background in nutrition as well. I like to think of it as a recipe. You know, it's sort of like you, you need all of the elements. But which one are you going, you know, what's going to be the main dish? What are the sides? What are we using for, um, you know, to for flavor, a little extra flavor? And each of those elements can be come be brought in in that way. Did I lose you completely? No, I'm just like, <laughs> how did you think of this? Like, I mean, I yeah. guess I'm thinking, oh. well, you've been in, you've been working with all of these aspects for so long that it's just become like second nature to you, I guess. Right. And I've all, whenever I, you know, I somehow I got, I, before I actually got into Harvard, I had already begun working with looking at Wicca and some pagan traditions. I'd already worked with earth, air, fire, and water. And so then I had that in my head. So when I took different classes, I knew it was already there. I had that, you know, I had that little paradigm. And so I've sort of added to it and added to it. Whenever I hear somebody talk who I know is a healer or who's worked within one of those paradigms, I took a class on um, Afro-Caribbean traditions um, while I was at Harvard. And that was essentially um, voodoo, but it, which is a healing tradition that's indigenous to Haiti. And, and it appears in similar forms around the Caribbean the Caribbean. And, but I had that paradigm already there. So as soon as somebody gave me a little information, you know, I like had a little place to stick it, you know, in the, and I, you know, sort of moved things around over the years as I've, as I've learned. And then I, for me to study with Dr. you know, Grandmaster Dr. Nan Lu was really helpful because he has that 5,000 year tradition, 2,500 years of written documentation and, and uh, has been a practitioner uh, as long as I've been a practitioner, but he's been a traditional Chinese medicine practitioner. So he had a re- he has a really good sense. And every I, I never listen to him that I don't learn something that, you know, I can, again, and figure out where it goes. What I find really helpful with working with clinicians or what I find really fun working with clinicians, and we had fun talking the last time as well, is is that we we're all working on that paradigm on some level, but we're we don't have it in the the detail. We don't, you know, we we have the radio, but we're just, you know, we're just running through the the dot, you know, turning the dial this way and that, trying to find, you know, where we get the the signal the strongest, uh, without knowing, you know, the thing about the the compass or the way uh, it, how it's organized in traditional Chinese medicine or Ayurveda or any tradition is that that tells you where the station is. So you can find the station as a practitioner. You know, you know, if it's jazz, oh, it's going to be this station. If it's classical, it's going to be this station. If I want to hear the news, I'm going to tune in here. That kind of understanding that resonance. So it gives us a, I find a wonderful paradigm to organize the techniques that we already know and the and the science that we already know as well. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, that's amazing. And <laughs> I'm just so curious about with the book, like how can how can people use this book if they can to help themselves understand how to be healthy? Like I know you were saying in our first interview that the body tends towards health, not towards illness. So how can people use this book to promote better health within themselves, you know, if that's the right way to say it. Health and happiness. I like yeah. That. I think the two are linked. I, I think that the way I try to set the book up was really as an introduction uh, to the simplicity of healing, that when we can be in touch with our bodies, when we can be in touch with the natural universe, when we can understand that our emotions are deeply linked to everything that, you know, nothing is separated, it's all linked, then we can begin, as I say in the book, you want to start with, you're the subject of your own experiment, you're N equals one. So what are we going to try? So in the book, I start with the element, um, the wood element, which is connecting to the conscious universe, connecting to life. And because it resonates with the eyes, I talk about 
sitting with your beverage in the morning or in the evening or both times and spending 15 minutes, put the timer on, spend 15 minutes just sitting and watching and doing what your eyes do best, which is they gravitate to movement. And if you sit still enough, even on a still day, even on a quiet day, you will see movement in the leaves. And when we begin to understand that the trees are indeed and the plants are communicating with each other, communicating with us, communicating with the birds, with the book, with the insects and and all that and, and the roots going down into the dirt, you realize that you're making this connection. And it's kind of a very simple way to meditate. I think a lot of people have trouble with meditation because they have trouble quieting the mind. But there are a lot of different ways to quiet the mind. And one way is to is to almost it's almost like daydreaming to just sit and and not have to do anything except look, watch, take it in. So that's the first habit and uh, beginning to to understand and see that we're not, you know, we're not flesh robots on a dead rock in the middle of nowhere. This is a conscious universe. And and as we tune into it, we we begin to see things, certainly see the seasons change if you do this long enough. Uh, and even day to day, you'll you'll see changes. And even if you just um, have a tree or that you look at, I mean, I live in, in Maine, I have lots of trees to look at. But here in New York, in the city, I am fortunate to live in Queens. So we have more trees than they might have in Midtown Manhattan or some other parts of the city. But just even getting to know one or two plants that grow in your area, even if it's a weed that grows in a in an empty lot, begins to make that conscious connection that... Uh, and I talk some about, you know, about that in the book and about, you know, some of the emotions that are involved and, and that, and which is anger in the case of wood energy. And um, what do you do with frustration? What do you do? How do you, you know, what does the tree do with it? What do the plants do? What do you do with it? That kind of thing. And forest bathing, of course, is now a big thing. We talk a little bit about that. So that's kind of wood energy. And then moving along to the water energy and the habit of sleep because sleep is where we heal. And I was, I was, I mean, I knew sleep was important, but as I researched it for the book, that was my big surprise was to find out just how important it is. And we sort of, it goes at the bottom of our to-do lists, generally speaking, and it should be at the top because it's so important, not only to heal the physical body, which does it repair itself at night while we're asleep, but also our emotions yeah. and uh, the early part of the night between like 11 and three o'clock is when our body is best able to repair itself and the liver, which is associated with the, that wood energy, which is night energy is our only regenerating organ. Really. It's interesting, but we do that repair at night. And then we, in the morning, in the early, you know, between 11 and and seven, I mean, three and seven is when we tend to have more dream sleep. And that's the repairing of the emotions, if you will, the sorting it all out and, and the importance of sleep to overall health, uh, our immune system, mental health, the people with PTSD often have a lot of problems with dreaming. Mm-hmm. I work with mostly yeah. people who have complex yeah. trauma and they most of the time have a lot of trouble falling asleep, staying asleep and being disturbed a lot at night by dreams, not just having them, but disturbing dreams. Right. And, and I I think there's a lot more work to be done with the, with the dreaming. I'm reading Michael Pollan's book about changing your mind. And it's sort of interesting, you know, like when he's talking about using psychedelics and with, you know, and, and that there are a number of um, psychotherapists now that are doing that. Um, and that there's been a tremendous amount of, amount of research that was done before Timothy Leary <laughs> got involved. Yeah. And there has been uh, a fair amount of research that's be, been reintroduced. But it's, again, that directing those dreams and, and learning how to direct dreams. And that, that is, you know, it's a it's a really important it's an important piece. So in the book, I talk about one of the things that, again, to make it really simple, I, I tried to pick simple habits and I might do other things in terms of sleep hygiene if I was working with a client. 
um, particularly one who is dealing with fear because that's going to be that water element as well, joint pain, uh, any kind of pain really, joint and bone issues are going to be involved, kidney issues, bladder issues, male potency or impotence kinds of issues also all resonate at that frequency. So sleep is going to be really important to think about. But in the book where I just make it really simple, like turn your computer off, turn all your electronics off because that energy is alerting and we need to, we need to wind down at the end of the day, you know, so figure out, you need two hours to wind down before you go to bed. So, you know, figure out when you need to get up, figure out, you know, eight hours back from that and then add on another two. And that's when you turn the machines off, turn the computer off, um, turn the phone off, you know, don't look at it. What about particularly TV? don't look at it. The TV, I think probably to turn off too. I have to say that that's my downfall. I, I tend to watch, but you're not up as close to it, but it still is that flickering light and the refresh of the screen that that's alerting. Yeah. And particularly if you are watching something that's a disturbing to begin with. Therapist, we've all had that moment. You wake up in the middle of the night. Oh my gosh. Did I do my notes? Well, you don't have to worry about that anymore when you use Therapy Notes. Therapy Notes makes it easy to write your notes, get them done quickly, but thoroughly. My group practice has used Therapy Notes for six years and everyone always finds it easy to use. But the best thing is if you do need help, you can call their customer service number and a person answers the phone. And anytime I've ever had to use it, which is maybe three times in the past six years, my issue has been resolved easily with a cheerful demeanor in 15 minutes or less. So I highly recommend Therapy Notes. And don't forget, go to therapynotes.com and use promo code chat to get two free months. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Reading, on the other hand, even though it comes in visually, it's processed on the auditory parts of the brain, and that tends to be more calming. Hmm. So reading will put you to sleep. And if you can get in ahead of that 11 o'clock time or in Ayurvedic medicine, actually, uh, they say go, you should, you know, nine o'clock is when your body starts to rev up again or your mind starts to the vata energy starts to rub up. So you want to get in bed ahead of that. You want to relax your mind ahead of that, you know, pick up a book, read that. And that tends to help calm down, you know, getting in a quiet environment, a dark environment, a cool environment. There's a lot of different things. There's so much now that, that we know about sleep hygiene and just kind of trying one after another, a warm bath can often, you know, set the stage. So what we want to do is bring the energy down, 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 calm it down with water energy and that prepares us for sleep. So that's kind of, you know, what those are two of the elements from the book. I mean, I can keep going, but those are the two big ones. Yeah. I mean, this is really super fascinating and on so many levels for me, because first of all, when I think of occupational therapy, Nothing you've said so far has been what I think of, except for when you said the word joint. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, dear. Yes. And maybe that's because I'm ignorant, but also, you know, I just didn't realize how much it touches all all areas of someone's life and functioning. Right. Well, yeah, occupation is meant to, to deal with all aspects, you know, of, of our life. I think, you know, and originally, like 100 years ago, when we started in occupational therapy, we began working in mental health, primarily working with the World War One vets as they came back 
shell shocked, and uh, which was what they called PTSD back then, mm-hmm. uh, and getting them involved in doing crafts, making something meaningful work. Uh, and the, all the I have one of the early OT books uh, from after that era, but still. Uh, working on that, and it tells you how to make brushes, and I mean all sorts of <laughs> crazy crafts that have been almost completely lost. But that was what they did to rehabilitate people, and that was where we started. And then, because they also, of course, had physical disabilities, many occupational therapists also got involved in that aspect as well. And then. In somewhere in the 60s and 70s, it um, eclipsed the mental health uh, practitioners. New York uh, is one of the places where they've main, they maintained a, an active presence in mental health. And it's making a resurgence all around the country, I think, now as well. But certainly, I think, you know, we, that whole piece got lost. And then, of course, we got into the sensory integration and working with kids in schools. And so it's, yeah, we're kind of like the elephant. It's like wherever you happen to touch us, you, you know, that's that's when you think of OT. But there are certainly people working in all different kinds of areas. And and particularly, I think, though, we've gotten pigeonholed a lot with the insurance. You know, so as soon as you get into insurance reimbursement, it, you know, it pigeonholes you in terms of time and in terms of modalities and those kinds of things, which, um, so we're constantly, you know, if I read my journals and my magazines, you know, there's always this, this tension between being sort of categorized in one area, um, where we get reimbursed and, 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 but then there's this other push about what about, what about wellness? What about, you know, the different other areas that, that people do work in with people with all different kinds of diagnoses, really. Yeah. So, and I was interested in mental health when I first, mental health and pediatrics when I first started out and then ended up in physical dysfunction and then, and then ended up in the schools and then ended up, you know, after years of trying to get pediatric jobs, had somebody say, oh, you're a pediatric therapist. And I was like, how did that happen? And now (laughs) I sort of feel like I'm coming around again. And I'm like, now I'm, you know, my book is in mental health with Norton in their mental health catalog. And I'm like, oh, I guess I need to like change my vision of myself. I'm a mental health, you know, that, that <laughs> mental health occupational therapist now. So, well, uh, I think one of the things that your paradigm that you've talked about on this discussion is um, it's showing that mental health, physical health, spiritual health, it's all health it's all together. Yeah. It's all health. You yeah. can't have one without the other, really. You right. Know, and you work where, you get the best bang for your, you know, you work where the need is. And I think, and that's kind of what I like to do with the book is in the beginning, there's a couple of different assessments you can take to see where, you know, where you maybe see yourself as having the most difficulties and then, you know, start there, Um, you know, start there. I, I know I, um, it's doing some kind of informal work with somebody I know who's having trouble with sleep, a lot of trouble with sleep, and also a lot of trouble with, uh, you know, bruising and, and joint and broken bones and that kind of thing. And trying to figure out, like, how to to deal with the pain and, and the, the bruising and that kind of thing, but also the fact that the sleep is real impaired so that you can't heal because the the healing happens, you know, the repair comes during sleep and she's not sleeping either, you know, sort of thinking about, well, what would be the best way to go in there? And she's, you know, done a lot of sleep hygiene stuff, but she's also a longtime vegetarian. And, um, and one of the things about the nutrients is that, you know, we, uh, red meat in particular feeds the nervous system feeds the muscles and the blood and that even in Ayurveda, which is comes out of a vegetarian culture or out of a culture that, where beef is never eaten uh, in India and in, in Hindu tradition, they will prescribe red meat for certain conditions hmm. and a regimen of eating red meat 
So it's, you know, I think, you know, nutrition is, is, is very complex. And I was fortunate enough to study at the Institute of Integrative Nutrition, which didn't separate, again, didn't separate emotions and spirit from, you know, looked at nutrition in a much broader sense. Um, But also, it was much more, you know, we learned that it was much more complicated. You know, it's not, you know, there's always, in the media, everybody tries to make it simple, but it's not simple. And and it's very individual and, and people have different needs at different times in their lives, at different, you know, junctions in their life. So again, and that is the third habit is nutrition. Eat what you love, love what you eat, but get rid of the sugar and alcohol for a while, sugar, alcohol, and even um, the white flowers or any of the flowers, you know, try to step away from those. Those are the three things to detox from. And what happens when you step away from those and and begin eating and begin paying attention to what tastes good? Because we have in this quest for healthy eating that we've been on in the last 30 years or so, we've associated what tastes bad with health food, mm. which is the exact opposite of the or way our body... what bodies- tastes good is bad. Right. What <laughs> tastes good is bad and what tastes bad is good is healthy. <laughs> Yet our whole sensory system, our sense of taste, our sense of um, smell, and to a certain extent, our our eyes as well, because, you know, you would go to, you'd be gravitate to ripe fruits because of the bright color, which is why food coloring became so popular, Mm. because that's the first thing we see is the bright color. And that tells us that something's fresh, you know, but then you have to smell it and taste it. And and we've, we've kind of divorced forced ourselves from all those senses, except if it's in a bright package with a cartoon on it, boy, you know, it's good for you, (laughs) especially if you're under 10. (laughs) (laughs) So it's, you know, I I think, you know, just again, trying to get back in touch with the real intricacy and the beauty and the synchronicity that is present in nature and present in our bodies, which is why I call it sustainable health, because I think that, you know, our ability to to continue and sustain ourselves it involves the sustainability of the the world we live in as well. I don't get into that a whole lot in the book, but it certainly is a undercurrent throughout the book. Do you want to say a little more about that? Well, in the, in the metal chapter, I talk about decluttering in the house, but at the end, I mention and you know the the importance of decluttering around your neighborhood and picking up trash, you know, and and uh, I did that with a group of kids in my congregation in Tucson, the kids who didn't want to sit inside the Sunday school. On Sunday, we would take them, the ones who didn't want to sit in a Sunday school class, and we'd wander through the grounds picking up trash. But they got a real ownership of the um, of the land and the building because they had that relationship with cleaning it up. And uh, I think that there's a lot of value in, in that. And, uh, you know, we keep trying to make more things to fix it, but actually probably what we need to do is clean up the messes first, but who likes to clean? It's always more fun to make a mess than it is to clean (laughs) one up. (laughs) True. And in our culture, we're supposed to buy stuff. So yeah, (laughs) But we then are we're like, oh, too much clutter. Get rid of everything. And then yeah. well, I need to buy a bunch of more stuff now. Right. Too much yeah. space in here. Yeah. I don't get into that a lot. But yeah, that's one of, you know, if you see me <laughs> if I'm privately, I can. That's one of my switches. You can flip and I can go into the whole consumerism thing. But yeah, I think that, you know, there's so much. And I, you know, I, I subscribe to a lot of really good blogs and newsletters and stuff from from people whose work I appreciate. But um, it's always interesting to me, like when they're selling stuff, like when like air purifiers seem to be big in a number of the blogs that I'm subscribed to. And, you know, the, the work that the people have done and the reason why I'm subscribed to them, I feel is good reasons. But there's this thing about air purification the truth of the matter is you just need plants in your house. You need house plants. Mm. And NASA did a wonderful study back in the 70s, I think. I quoted in the book, and I have some of that information. But they actually took 
houseplants, regular houseplants, uh, common houseplants, and they put them in controlled chambers and they pumped in PCBs and benzene and all sorts of toxins and they cleared it. And they were, you know, it was NASA, so they were thinking about space vehicles um, Mm. and how to keep them from becoming toxic and also buildings become toxic. And plants do a heck of a job. And, you know, you don't have to spend any money, you know, dig one up outside and bring it in or, you know, go, you can go to the nursery and buy a plant, of course. But if you hang around out where they throw the trash, you can probably pick up something for free (laughs) and, you know, bring it home, give it a little water and some TLC. And next thing you know, you're, you're purifying your air. That's right. And what a plant can give you that an air purifier can't is a connection to nature right there in your space. Exactly. Exactly. So you have a whole spiritual component to it that you'll never get from a machine. That's a great reminder. I need to put Mm -hmm. some plants in my office. Mm. (laughs) I made the mistake of painting um, radiators with a paint that had a, you know, as soon as I turned the radiator on, had a terrible off gas. Mm. And I just put plants all over the radiator and I'm hope for the best really, but, um, <laughs> but I, you know, I had plants, just read plants that. are like, why are you poisoning us? Okay. We'll eat all of it. Okay. <laughs> there, you know, plants resonate with the liver and it's like they detox. That's just what they do. Mm. You know, that's what they've always done. So it that's doesn't harm them. Who they are. No. I mean, you know, I'm sure you could poison them, but they, NASA didn't poison their plants. And they were pumping all sorts of terrible things into those little chambers. And the plants just kept going. And they cleared the air, cleaned the air. They cleaned the soil, too. And, and mushrooms, even more than plants, fungi, will pull the heavy metals right out of the soil. Hmm. There's, and they've done some real interesting research with some, like, toxic waste sites. Uh, and basically, you can spend tons of money on all sorts of technology machinery to do it or you can get a bunch of straw and plant oyster mushrooms in it and it'll clear the heavy metals you can't eat the mushrooms of course because they're full of the metals yeah (laughs) but they it will it'll pull the heavy metals out of the soil wow so it's pretty interesting i mean yeah paul stamets paul stamets is the name of the guy who's done all that research s-t-a-m-e-t-s other people have too but he's the big guy in the mushroom fungi in the fungi world what you're saying just kind of gives me hope that with the harm that we're doing to the environment with all of the industrialization that it might be possible to help the environment recover by planting more trees you know absolutely absolutely and charles eisenstein talks about that in his book climate a new story um how important it is the yeah the plants really they really you know, the we can't have too many, really. You just we need to to put more of them out there, and they they protect the wetlands. The you know, I mean, they they do an amazing job in addition to providing us with oxygen. We need also, but yeah, I, I think that uh, sometimes we just need to get out of our own way, and we see that when we work with clients too. It's like they just get out of their own way. But we need, as a species, we need to get out of our own way and and trust in the and and begin to have faith and trust in in our own ability to heal and and also in the ability of of nature as well. I mean, we're talking, you know, timelines sometimes that are way beyond our own human timelines. But certainly, life has been on this planet for a very very long time. It was here before we got here, and, and there's a reasonably good chance it'll be here after we're no longer here because it changes, it grows. I mean, that's what life does is it's a, it's in constant change and constant movement and constant regeneration. And when we can connect to that, that's where we heal. When we connect to that flow and that movement, Dr. Lou often says, go with the flow. And and it, he's often talking about that very that very notion of, of of life, which always is is never static, never. It's just such a beautiful reminder, and that 
you know, everything is interconnected, not just all of us humans, but everything, everything, everything. And even, you know, the, the sun and the stars and the moon, we have a connection with them as well. We know the moon connect, I mean, changes the tides. It changes, you know, women's menstrual cycles. We know that the moon, I mean, the people who work in the emergency room just know that it, it, you know, there's a connection. We even have that connection with the farthest stars in the universe. The ones we can't even see, there's still, we still have that connection. And I, you know, for me, that's the theologian part of me there, you know, says <laughs> that's, that's where we need, that's the real connection, that understanding that, that it's all one in its unlimited possibilities and diversity, mm. infinite possibilities. Well, I think that's a good place for us to stop. And I just want to say, Thank you again for such a fascinating conversation and deeply thought provoking. And I'm definitely going to dig deeper into your book, which I've looked through and not read all of, but I'm going to start working in it myself because I just think that everything you're talking about is just so resonant. Great. Thank you for, I mean, I appreciate this opportunity and you're a wonderful interviewer. And thank you. I thank you for that. Oh, thanks, Susan. So before we sign off, let's um, let me just ask you, what kind of things can people do with you? Like, do you offer any consultation or do you work with people um, remotely or in person one on one? I know you teach. I I love teaching and I do teach. I work through a company um, called Educational Resources now, but I can work I would love to work with um, anybody who wants to put on any kind of a, a teaching, whether it's for um, people who want to explore their own health potential or whether it's like clinicians like you who want to, you know, explore some of these ideas and how they relate to their own practice and how they can use something like the Healing Compass to help them navigate clients. You can, you know, navigate your own health, but you can also use it in that kind of therapeutic navigation, I think, as well. I do certainly do coaching with people. I also do um, healing rituals with people. I'm I'm still working on my website, but people can go to my website, SusanLRoberts.com, and there's a contact. They can contact me directly through that or through my email, which is uh, Susan at SusanLRoberts.com. And yeah, I do. Um, so I work with individuals. I love to work with groups. I find groups very healing. I think that the interaction of people in groups and can be really beneficial. So I do those kinds of things. I, I am a knitter and spinner. So sometimes I'll use, again, those kinds of crafts for people. Uh, I, I teach, uh, I've taught uh, knitting and forgiveness. So to learning to knit, wow. you learn a mantra forgiveness and it's the same one that you learn to to move the thread the yarn to knit so for a new knitter they can learn to knit and do the forgiveness (laughs) mantra for an experienced knitter they're working on more on the forgiveness piece and less on the what you know they already have the skill uh so i do you know that's kind of a very occupational therapy kind of a a way to approach it but i i do (laughs) like to work through activity and through the kinds of things that are in the healing compass are I mean in the sustainable health book, but working in that way. So yeah, I, I love to work with people. They can contact me individually or, and I, and I enjoy teaching as well. So I'm getting those offerings up on the, on my website, but there's, there's stuff up there now and happy to have people contact me. Thank you. And I know that they can find your book anywhere books are sold, Sustainable Health, and you have many other books as well. I do have a few others. Yeah, out there. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and it's on Audible and it's um, Kindle version. So yeah, anywhere books are sold, they can they can get that. So yeah. Awesome. Well, Susan, thank you so much for being my guest today. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for listening to my interview with Susan Roberts, part two. What seemed like a simple question that listener Lori asked in the beginning was not so simple, was it? But I love the way that our discussion came around to the interconnectedness of all people and nature 
I think it's really beautiful how Susan uses this in her work. As always, I want to thank you for listening to Therapy Chat. Thanks, Lori, for your question. Until next time. Try Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code CHAT at therapynotes.com. Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Just another reminder that if you'd like to become a member of Therapy Chat, supporting the podcast while receiving fun member perks and being able to communicate with me one-on-one, go to patreon.com slash therapy chat. If every subscriber donated just $1 per month, Therapy Chat would be able to keep going strong indefinitely. Thanks so much for your support. Thank you for listening to Therapy Chat with your host, Laura Reagan, LCSWC. For more information, please visit therapychatpodcast.com.